0: And Welcome to this week's episode of hashtag leadership what's on your minds remember we're a podcast make you stop and think about your leadership journey and we're going to add value by speaking to amazing guests with amazing stories and experts in their field so today we're speaking to Tom how are you doing Tom are you okay
1: very good my friend how are you
0: I'm not too bad at all. So thank you so much for your time today um, I can't wait for you to tell everybody why you're on because there's a, a very good reason. Um, you are a world-class trainer and um, specifically um, expertise in NLP um, and it's been great to get to know you over the last 18 months and I know on recording this we met in person for the first time yesterday which was really good. Uh, <laughs> so while I hit the 20-minute timer and um, for the people who don't know you and um, tell us all about you and what you do.
1: Okay, so yeah, my name is Tom Phillips, uh, I'm a Scouser, born and bred in Liverpool, I've moved, lived in lots of different places, um, moved away quite a bit, but I always seem to end up back in Liverpool, so I think my heart's telling me something, and yeah, um, launched my first training company 13 years ago, having spent 18 years in the pharmaceutical industry, uh, so I'm a Scouser that used to sell drugs, doesn't get any better than that, and um, for the last 13 years, been working alongside the pharma industry, which is where I started, We've also moved into doing a lot of work with the NHS. Uh, so they're one of our biggest clients at the moment. We work with med, med tech device companies and a few of the clients as well in, in areas outside of that. Specialise in three areas. One of those is leadership and management training and coaching. The other one is sales, um, because I'm pretty much a salesman by heart. I spent 90% of my corporate career in sales and different roles at different levels. Uh, and then the other one uh, which has really come into the fore probably in the last three years and certainly the last 12 months is mental health and well being which the NLP has always kind of underpinned, always been a part of. Uh, And more recently, I've personally qualified as a clinical hypnotherapist. I've been helping lots of people with stress and anxiety, of which there has been a a fair amount in the last 12 months as well. So that's kind of my journey in a nutshell thus or this far.
0: Awesome. Excellent. So let's get those two questions through then. So obviously we're hashtag leadership, what's on your mind? What comes to your mind when you hear the term leadership?
1: Um, I, I think I've had some great leaders in my time. Um, certainly my last boss in my time in pharma was brilliant, a guy called Mark Scruton. Um, you know, he was just great for my development. encouraged me, supported me. Um, the best thing about Mark that I remember was whenever I made a cock up, he didn't have to tell me, he just said, you won't do that again, will you? And I was like, no, I won't do that. So I've had some great leaders, um, like that. I've worked with some great leaders in pharma in the NHS. I've developed some people as well from, you know, not being in leadership positions to being really, really great leaders for their organizations. Uh, Probably one of the best ones, a guy called Pete Moss, who I met as a very young and experienced regional manager many, many years ago. Um, He then became the uh, European sales director for a company called Hillrom, who are the biggest provider of hospital beds to the planet. Uh, He's now run, uh, he now runs his own company. He's been doing that for the last 18 months. And... Because of what we do with leadership and management, I've had to study so many different leadership models from so many different sectors. So I think I've been exposed to the best leadership models on the planet. Um, I'm an accredited situational leadership trainer. So situational leadership by Ken Blanchard. I I got introduced to that very early in my career. It stuck with me. And I think that's one of the most powerful leadership models you could ever get your head around. Um, You've also got self-leadership. So it's great for people who are maybe aspiring to a leadership role. Models like Cousers and Posner, five practices of exemplary leadership. That again, I think is a great model as well, it really helps people to get their heads round what they need to do to be effective leaders. And we use these models with lots of different sectors that we work with to help people, regardless of where they are on their leadership role. And I think when you look at it, there are some consistent factors that all good leaders have, regardless of which sector they work in. And you'll have seen this in the military and I've got friends in the military. So they, they kind of cross all of those boundaries I'd say what I think if you look at things like Kuz's and Posner's model, you know, their five practices, I think if you get those five key skills under your belt as a leader, you're never going to go too far wrong. So they talk about having a vision, which I think is critical for every leader. You've got to know where you want to be and where you're going to take your team and your organisation, but you've got to share that vision. You've got to build it with them. You cannot just go into a team or an organisation as a leader and go, right, here's my vision, because your team and your organisation will quite rightly say, well, good luck with that. It's not my vision. So you need to build it with them things like empowering the heart. So um, yeah, allowing people to take action, to take risks and make mistakes so that they learn. Yeah. And you know, I think one of the best things you can ever do as a leader is to understand that just because somebody does something differently to you, doesn't mean that it's wrong. It's just different, okay? And the way that we did things when we were in leadership positions in years gone by, doesn't necessarily mean that those are the most effective ways to do it anymore. Uh, I think things like reward and recognition, that's absolutely huge and powerful. When you're a leader, one of the best things you can do is give people the recognition they deserve. It doesn't have to be massive grand gestures. It just be the little verbal pat on the back or the little email that you send to somebody saying, oh, well, that was a great performance last month, or I love the way you handled that team meeting the other day. Your presentation was brilliant. All of these factors, I think, when we understand them as leaders and managers, and more importantly, we act upon them, we make them part of our toolbox as leaders, make us incredibly effective and i've like so i've been i've been looking up to work with loads of different models so i get to cherry pick the best bits and then you know we either go and do a training program on that model or we incorporate it into the leadership programs that we run
0: yeah awesome i love that there's a couple of questions i'm going to come to actually on what you said there so um (coughs) staying with you specifically we always ask people about where your leadership journey started and how far back can we go on that whether it's on reflection or yeah. It was a light bulb moment at
1: the time. Where do you go back to? When when I when, when you asked me to think about that question, I was actually thinking. I think for me, it goes back to being a Cub Scout. Okay. I, I remember um, <sighs> whether anybody else kind of enjoyed it or not. I always enjoyed taking a leadership role. You know, so whether we were putting up tents or making campfires or whatever, that was very much part of me back then. I loved it. Um I then I carried that forward. I was in the Air Training Corps for many years. Um, I was living in London at the time. I was the youngest cadet flight sergeant in Middlesex Wing. So I got that role at 16. I put my stripes on, which was great. And then that very much carried forward into my pharma career because I wanted to spend a certain amount of time at a kind of a grassroots level, if you want, learn learning my trade as a salesperson. So I worked in primary care, worked in secondary care, worked at health authority level, which is very much a typical career structure within, the, within pharma. But then as soon as I could, I wanted to get into a leadership role. So I got my first regional manager's job when I was, I think it was about 32. Uh, and then progress there to be head of sales. I had positions in marketing along the way. Um, I, you know, I was, I was kind of a national sales manager for a while in one of the companies that I was in. So I was a second line manager, looking after managers, looking after teams. Uh, so I think it, it goes right back to when I was seven or eight when I think about it, and I can still remember some of the things I did when I was in the Cub Scouts. You know, that were very kind of, uh, very much kind of leadership type roles, if you like the type functions. Yeah. Um, and that's probably down to me wanting to. You know, Want to be in that role throw myself into it and and kind of taking the opportunities Uh, but I think again that's that's what good leaders do they they look for the opportunities to get involved to kind of roll their sleeves up and develop their skills and learn from their experiences
0: yeah awesome I love that so um so much to squeeze into this little amount (laughs) of time um so (laughs) NLP I'm Mm -hmm. conscious of some people might not know what NLP is so could you do two things? One, explain to um, the listeners what NLP is if they don't know. Yeah. But also, I'd love you to share why I'm so excited about working with you and having you on because you are at a world level yeah. um, delivering and operating NLP level.
1: Thank you. So neurolinguistic Linguistic Programme um, was invented or created back in the 1970s by Dr. Richard Bandler and John Grinder. And they were fascinated by the study of excellence. They wanted to know what made really good people tick. So they were looking at athletes. They were looking at business people. They were looking at politicians. They were looking at actors. Pretty much anybody that was really good at what they do because they had the belief that if you could model those behaviours, if you could model their mindsets, you could reproduce it. And yes, there's always a certain amount of skill that's involved. So not not everybody can be a world-class footballer. Not everybody can be a Jeff Bezos or a Bill Gates or whatever, but you can reproduce their behaviors and you can have a, a fantastic level of success as a result of that. So they started off studying excellence and um, then they, they kind of came up with this term, neurolinguistic linguistic program, which is very much, about, if you break it down into the three component parts, it's neuro, it's about our thought processes and what goes in, in our head, particularly our subconscious. And our subconscious is massive in relative terms. It's the size of a beach ball compared to our conscious mind, which is the size of a golf ball. So we've got so much stuff that's going on all of the time that we're not even aware of. Some of that's good stuff, some of it's bad stuff. We have linguistics, which is obviously about the languages that we use to communicate, but not just with other people. It's more about the language we use to communicate with ourselves again, because that voice inside our head is so powerful. We need to make sure that it's constructive. And yet so many of us, you know, I've done this myself, we're negative about ourselves, we're cynical, we have imposter syndrome, we have all these self-limiting beliefs that we don't really need to have. And then we have programming, which is really about the actions that we carry out on a day-to-day basis to live our lives, whether that's personal or business or both. And we know that the way we conduct ourselves, the actions we carry out are very much based upon that voice inside our heads and the thoughts that we have. So what NLP allows us to do is it allows us to kind of understand the programs that we're running internally. And if we can identify the good programs, we can do them more often. So if you've got a program called business success, you can run that more often. If you've got a program called happiness or relaxation or pride or whatever it is, all the good stuff, you can run those programs more often. If you've got the more unproductive or the the kind of unhelpful programs like stress, um, anxiety, low self-esteem, low self-confidence, what NLP does is it allows you to identify those programs and then we can either change them, like you would change a computer program if it wasn't working, or you can actually delete them. So just like you would delete something from a computer that wasn't helpful. And that's, that's how I was trying to explain it to people. One of the definitions I like is one that comes from Dr. Bandler himself. So he said that your subconscious is like a compass. If you give it a direction, it will continually move you in that direction, even when you're not aware of it. That's obviously what our subconscious does. The flip side of that is if you're not giving your life and you're not giving your conscious or your subconscious a direction, who is? Yeah. So it's really worth thinking about. And then yeah coming back to you know my my passion my my involvement with nlp began technically about 13 years ago when i did my first practitioner program i knew about nlp before that but i'd never really studied much on it and then over the last 13 years um i've be- i became a practitioner a master practitioner so they're kind of the stepping stones i then became a trainer um, a business practitioner i've done my sports nlp uh, i've done other programs as well things like neurohypnotic repatterning which again is about changing the way that we think And as a result of all that, I was lucky enough in 2016, 2017 to be invited onto a mentorship program with Dr. Bandler himself. So I've had the man who created the stuff uh, as a mentor, um, which has been an incredible experience. I still speak to him on a regular basis. Um, I now work as part of his training team when we do seminars in the UK and the US, all things being equal before COVID. We were doing those four times a year twice in London, twice in Orlando. So I'm constantly learning from the best that there is. I'm learning from the guy that invented it. I get to work as part of his team. I get exposure to him. I can chat to him once and one whenever I want. It's just been absolutely phenomenal. And so I am the only UK based trainer of NLP that has been both trained and personally mentored by Dr. Richard Banner, which is, you know great feather to have in my cap. And it has just been an, an incredible experience. And it, it would be like, I, again, I always try and give people analogies because we are big storytellers as a species. So, if you were into social media, it would be like being mentored by Mark Zuckerberg. Or if you were into on- to online retail, it would be like being mentored by Jeff Bezos. You know, or if you were into innovation and creativity, it would be like getting mentored by um, Elon Musk. You know, yeah. he is the top man in his field when it comes to NLP. And he's, just, you know, the, I, I thought I was good before I went into his mentorship program. Yeah. <laughs> what he's done to me is just taking me to another level. Yeah, and amazing. He actually,
0: I love NLP I've dipped my toe in it because we did it in in the military I love that it underpins a lot of the and we're going to go to models and um, ask you a couple of questions about that in a second but it's really eye-opening when you get people to just literally dip their toe in it to the extent that you work in it is is phenomenal Mm -hmm. and I've got some really good friends of mine who who are really good trainers as well and it it really gets people my big passion is getting people to stop and think yeah And, and it certainly does that doesn't it
1: Mm. well again one of the definitions that Richard will give to NLP is it's about thinking on purpose which I, I think is just great you know so yeah what, what what kind of what are my thought processes are they helpful are they not am I really thinking about what I want to be doing with my life am I thinking about what I want where I want to be going am I happy with it because if I'm not the you know the the, the responsibility is on me to change it and so many people yeah. unfortunately, drift through their lives they wake up they're 65 and they're retired and they look back at their life and go well, how the hell did that happen most people spend more time every year planning their holidays than they do planning their life. I love that. How true is that? Scary. How scary, yeah, it is. That's amazing. So I wanna
0: really dig into this. This is one of my things I say quite a lot about how do we take leadership off the page? And obviously you've mentioned a lot about models. I talk a lot about models. We're quite um, reactive to the people that are in front of us that we can gauge what they need. To sort of awareness education learning but there's a lot of people who are not trainers who are who are reading lots of books looking at a lot of models and i say about how do people take leadership off the page what are your sort of experiences and thoughts and encouragements of leaders who are doing all the right things lifelong long learning but taking leadership off the page what are your thoughts
1: i, th- I think the best way you can do that is to actually put into practice whatever you're learning find out what works for you use it find out what doesn't work for you and you know put it to one side and I think it's always a good idea to have things in your toolbox that you can use you may only get them out once in a blue moon but they're always there for you and this is one of the things I love about NLP NLP. so the emphasis on the word practitioner it's a very practical thing and I think it's the same with leadership you can read as many books as you want you can study as many online courses you can go as many training courses as you want but if you then don't implement that and change your behaviors and your thought tests as a result you're no further forward than when you were before you read the book or before you went on the course. And certainly the way we always design our training and our coaching is to be very practical. So we'll give somebody a theory and say, right, apply that now to your own real world. How are you gonna use that with your team? How are you gonna use that with your colleagues in the leadership team that you're in? Where are the kind of real learning points that you that you can implement? And then certainly when we work with people, you know, we follow up uh, usually for a period of at least four weeks depending on what the client wants to say, right, since we finished the training course, how have you implemented what you've learned? So it becomes very much a behavioral change piece. And it's not just about reading the book. Yeah, It's very much about practical. And that for me, I think is a big key difference. So you're going to take it off the page. You're going to take it out of the textbook or you're going to take it out of the YouTube video. How are you actually applying it? What are you learning? Because I think when you do that as well, you learn that actually you can enhance whatever you've been taught. So you take the model that was created by Cousers and Posner in the 1980s, and you have your own ideas about how you can make it better. And this, this is the way we continue to evolve with leadership and other things as well to say, well, OK, I've got this. It works really well here. But if I use it over here, it's even better. Or actually, if I use it here, but I do this as well, it's huge in terms of the impact it has on me as a leader, the people around me and my team, the people around me and my leadership team, people above me. You know, if I'm reporting into people, if I'm not necessarily the top of the tree, that for me is how you do it. It's that practical implementation. You know, you don't learn to build a house by reading a book on building a house, do you?
0: You learn by getting lots of mistakes. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you do, absolutely.
0: Adapt, change and overcome. <laughs> yeah,
1: or, or plan, do, review, which, whichever yeah. model you want to look at. Yeah, It's very much about that practical application. And, you know, I, I will, I, my hand on my heart, I will say every training course we do, as trainers, we're probably only on our feet for 20% of the time. The other 80% of the time is you as a participant, thinking about it, applying it, discussing it, getting feedback, changing your ideas maybe as a result of the feedback that you get. But it's always about that practical application.
0: Yeah, awesome. So, (laughs) excuse me, we've only got five, three minutes. I thought we had five minutes. Three minutes left. (laughs) Time flies. I love having these conversations. So, (laughs) language. I just want you to just finish off with, obviously, NLP is really... um, powerful with the change of language that we use outward, but also inward which you've alluded to as well what are some of the um big language changes that we can help um leaders people moving forward to level up their leadership and their communication to create that environment but also that lifelong learning and that impact around them what, what are your thoughts
1: i mean, loads so the, there are two specific parts of nlp training if you go and do it and you might have done this yourself so you have the meta model and the milton model the the Milton model is really about how you use language to communicate. The meta model for me is about how you listen to what's being said and also what's not being said. And again, that's whether you're listening to somebody talking to you or whether you're listening to yourself talking to yourself. And there, there are loads we can take from this, right? If I could give you two takeaway tips, okay. One would be one of the most powerful words you can add into your own vocabulary is the word yet. So whenever you find yourself doubting yourself, oh I can't do that, you know, I won't be able to do this, just add that word in yet. Yeah. You know? So I can't lead that team yet. It just changes massively the way you think about yourself and the way you think about that thing that you can't do. You know, I, I've taught kids to do this. I've got nieces and nephews, and they've actually fed back to me sometimes. When I've, when I've been kind of a little bit cynical myself, and I've said, oh, I can't do that, and they've gone top, you can't do it yet. in <laughs> fact actually created some NLP monsters.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's really powerful. Whenever you find yourself doubting yourself or you've had a bad experience and it's kind of knocked your confidence, just say, I can't do that yet. You will learn to do it. The other big one that I, I often teach people to do is, yeah, you know, how do you start your emails? I can guarantee you probably start your emails with, I hope. Yeah. So hi, Stuart. I hope you're okay. Hi, Stuart. I hope you had a good holiday. Hi, Stuart. I hope you read my report. Hi, Stuart. I hope you're coming to the meeting next week. Think about that word hope and the kind of associations it has with it. They're not the strongest associations you can have. So I teach people and this is happening loads. The more I do it to use the word trust. So hi, Stuart. I trust you are okay. I trust you had a good weekend. I trust you've read the report. Trust is a much stronger word in terms of the associations it creates for us. There's also an element of NLP in here that we call an embedded command. So we can put words, we can put sentences into our conversation and also in written communication that become like commands that slip past the subconscious or slip past the conscious radar. So when you hear, I trust, every time you get an email from me, you hear the word "I trust you," or you hear the phrase "I trust you." You begin to think, "Yeah, this guy trusts me," and so it really helps. Yeah, so these are some of the linguistics that we can play around with, and they're massively, massively powerful. Amazing! I'm
0: going to go back and check our emails for the last couple of days.
1: <laughs> seriously, seriously, go back and look at my emails. They all start with "I trust." That's how awesome. many emails? How many emails do you send that start with "I hope," and how many do you receive that start with "I hope"?
0: Yeah. I love that because that's a takeaway that people can implement yeah. straight away. Yeah. And and I'm gonna say I'm gonna share mine as well because I've created um four little NLP monsters as well. Because my big one I tell people is about nothing's hard, it's challenging.
1: Yeah, challenging, yeah.
0: So I've I've told that to my children. and I'm really passionate about embedding that mm-hmm. in a kind of <laughs> not a dictatorship, but you're right. I, I get um told sometimes when i slip up that it is it's challenging not hard Um, and it's great to see because they're they're sponges and it's great to see the impact Uh, that language change has at that age
1: absolutely i mean if i could teach nlp in schools i would i I think it's so powerful for this kind of stuff because kids are great they haven't developed the self-limiting beliefs that we get when we're in our teens and we and when we become adults so if we can give them techniques and we can give them tools to stop that ever happening, it's huge. It's so powerful. Again, you know, the example we always talk about is it never ever occurs to a child that they will not walk. Yes. No matter how many times they fall over, they never want think, Oh, this isn't for me. I'm going to crawl for the rest of my life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they just don't have those limiting beliefs that we, we develop unfortunately as, as we get older. Yeah. But so, yeah, if we could teach it to kids, it would be, I think it would be absolutely huge. Yeah. But you're right it's the the simple change of of, of language inside our own heads and both externally as well has a massive impact on our neurology yeah so we shouldn't go from a position of being all doom and gloom because we can't do something to actually i'm a little bit more optimistic because yes it's a challenge but i know i will get there if i keep working on it
0: yeah awesome so that's our 20 minutes, just oh. over a little bit, but it's, it's fine. Just we can see. You not <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Tom, thank you so much for your time today. And um, guys, Thanks. if you're listening to us on your podcast provider, make sure you follow us. It would be great to hit us a review. It really helps the algorithm, really helps us pass this sort of information forwards. And I really like to hear your takeaways from each and every one of our amazing guests. If you're watching us on the YouTube channel, make sure you hit subscribe, hit the bell, and you'll get a new episode every Wednesday at 6 a.m. Make sure you look out for my vlogs that come out on Monday at 6 a.m. And it'll be great for you to um join us next week with another fantastic guest. So, Tom, thank you again for your time.
1: Always a pleasure, mate. Always a pleasure.
0: I'm gonna to put Tom's connections and links below, and we've got some exciting um projects coming up in 2021. Speak to you soon. Take care. Take